you know, this health retirement account, just like you invest in, in, in a 401k, you invest a little bit, you know, every week into your health and you will reap the benefits later on, you know, when, when you have grandkids and you want to be able to go swimming with them or take them to the beach or go hiking in the mountains. You got to make those investments all along the way. Uh, it's not always fun, but it's worth it. Welcome to The Work in Between, the podcast that explores the topics and daily actions that get us to our health-related goals. Whether you're trying to lose weight, get more fit, or improve your mental, emotional, or spiritual health, you're in the right place. In 2021, I was diagnosed with diabetes and was morbidly obese. I was already a three-time cancer survivor, so I knew I had to do something to turn my life around. So I did. I lost over 100 pounds and began transforming my life inside and out. I'm living my most purposeful and intentional life, and I want you to live yours too. Thanks for stopping by. I'm glad you're here. I'm your host, Gretchen Holmes, and this is The Work In Between. What does good health mean to you? How do you decide if you're healthy or not? And why the overemphasis on weight, whether it's in the media, talking with your family or friends, or even your doctor? It always seems to be about weight, not health. Why is that? We all know there are multiple factors that contribute to overall health, but all we seem to have a hard time getting past is the focus on weight. So how do we change the conversation? I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, which is why I'm thrilled to have Dr. Matt Han as my guest. Dr. Han is an interventional cardiologist and has a little different perspective on how to approach health. And trust me, it's not all about weight. On today's show, we're going to talk about health and what it even means to be healthy and why weight shouldn't be the only focus. We'll also share some helpful tips on how to start a fitness program and why it's important for longevity. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to finally get a chance to talk to you about this. Thank you, Gretchen. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time as well. We've had a lot of conversations at work, just in the hallway or in our offices, and I found your perspective to be certainly a refreshing take on health. But before we get into that, let me ask you, you're an interventional cardiologist. So what does that mean exactly? What do you do? What's your focus? Just a, a plumber for the human body. So you don't want to overthink this. Uh, just like pipes in the house, as they get older, you end up getting some calcium, lime, and rust buildup. That happens in the human body as well. As people age, cholesterol buildup, you know, unhealthy lifestyles, different problems with those blood vessels. And sometimes they start to cause symptoms and you know, sometimes they cause heart attacks that we have to go in right away and fix. But when those blockages develop, they typically lead to shortness of breath, chest pain, limitations to you know, our patient's ability to do what they want to do. I get great fulfillment in my job being able to treat these patients in the cath lab, open up blocked arteries and get them back to living a life that they enjoy. Unfortunately, I take care of such late stage uh, disease. Uh, the blockage it didn't form overnight. It's something that develops over years of living and perhaps some unhealthy lifestyles along the way. I was excited about your podcast because 
it'd be so nice if you put me out of business. Yeah, I yeah. don't want people to end up in the cath lab. I'd have me putting stents inside their hearts. It would be wonderful if we could participate in you know, a healthy lifestyle before they end up needing a cardiologist, improve everyone's happiness. It's best to treat the, the root of the problem as opposed to treating the consequences of the problem. And that's what I want to try to focus on today with you. Excellent. It's safe to say that you have a huge focus at your practice on health, not just treatment, but that preventative health. So let me ask you this. How do you define health? That's a great question. The simplest terms, I consider someone healthy if they're able to do everything in their daily activities that they want to do. If they want to take a vacation tour Paris, I want them to be able to climb the Eiffel Tower if that's what they want to do. I want them to be able to go places, do things, not have physical limitations when they arrive. I want them to be able to be with friends and, and family and be able to keep up with them. I want them to be able to lead fulfilling, happy lives. I like that definition of health. I know for a lot of people, as we get older, we get sometimes more motivated to become healthy. For example, if we now have grandchildren, because we're realizing that we can't keep up with them, that we want to be around for a long time to be able to play with them and watch them grow up. And I think that's a real motivating factor for some of us who maybe weren't so healthy in our younger lives. But as we get older, we're realizing we really need to do something in order to live those lives we want to be able to hang out with our grandkids and run around. Health is a lot like a retirement account. You know, when you retire, you have to have savings to be able to support your lifestyle. And you spend your whole career investing in, in that retirement fund. So someday you can enjoy the fruits of that hard work. And it's a shame that we don't view our health in the same way. You know, I'd like to see people make healthy choices early on in life to allow them to invest in their health account over time. So when they do retire, they don't have catch up to do. Uh, certainly, I, it's never too late to start. But in my practice, I always hate to see people coming to me who are young on on seven or eight medications. You know, that's the first sign that we're kind of missing the boat. You know, I would prefer that we do this in a different way to avoid the medications. Now, sometimes they are required, but it'd be nice to invest in the health early on so that they can enjoy the benefits of that healthy lifestyle when they do have grandkids. That's a really important conversation to have early on, though I suppose you've seen it in your practice. I see it. I did it. I think when we're young, we don't think about those things. We don't think about the damage we're doing to our bodies when, because it, we don't feel bad in the morning. But as we get older, we start feeling bad in the morning because of some of those choices. So I would like to see, as I know many physicians would and, and public health folks, I would love to see an emphasis on prevention versus treatment for sure. One of the things that's always seems to have been the case is that there's always been this emphasis on weight. It's always been about the scale. No matter what we're talking about, it always comes down to weight. And when we go to the doctor, it's no different because the very first thing they make us do is jump on that scale. And I know it's a piece of information. There's no question about that. But why do you think there's always such a huge emphasis on weight? From the medical profession? It's measurable. It's something that it's a number that we can quickly obtain that 
it does give us some information, but with social media and the world today, it's, it's an obsession. And it's a shame that it becomes an obsession. There are plenty of people who, medically speaking, would be considered overweight who are very healthy. And there's an equal number of people who are underweight who are not very healthy. So I want people to be healthy for the weight that they are. And one of the things that I find is that we don't focus on strength training. Uh, that's something where I'm a heart doctor. I focus on hearts. We're missing the largest organ of the body is your skeletal muscle. You know, that is a huge metabolic organ that handles glucose. As we age, we lose muscle mass and we, we have to fight that as hard as we can to maintain that metabolic capacity that we have when we're younger. And strength training is, is not encouraged the way it should be in the medical field. Everyone talks about you know, walking, everyone talks about aerobic exercising, which is certainly important, but you need that muscle mass to be able to burn calories, to be able to metabolize glucose, to be able to avoid diabetes. It's the strength training I think that is missing in a lot of people's daily activities. And you know, we, we talk about weight, Muscle weighs more than fat, so the focus on the scales is not where we should be. It should be on how you're able to perform your daily activities. I have many patients that are elderly who struggle to stand up from a chair. I would consider that unhealthy because everyone has to sit on a toilet, stand up from the dinner table, climb stairs on occasion. Those are markers of that health. If you're able to perform those tasks, then I would consider you to be healthier than if you can't perform those tasks. A lot of that does go back to strength, muscle being able to do your the activities that bring happiness. I agree with that. I'm thinking back to all of my years of going to the doctor and while there was always a conversation about weight and it was didn't matter what I was going there for, there was always a conversation about weight. I don't know that anybody ever suggested that I do strength training ever, but it was all about just losing weight. So there I don't think I've ever had that conversation with a health provider. It's always about diet. Everyone focuses yeah. on diet. You know, don't eat this, don't eat this. There's so many factors that go into weight and diet is a small part of it. You need to have the metabolism to be able to process the, the sugars that we feel, to process the foods, to use them appropriately. And the muscle is, is critical with that. So often people come in to my office and they say, well, people have told me what not to do, you know, what should I be doing? You know, telling someone, don't eat this, don't eat this, you know, avoid this, don't drink sodas, avoid sugary beverages, you know, don't eat dessert, you know, don't eat carbs, you know, avoid things that are white, you know, don't eat white <laughs> rice, don't eat white bread. Yeah. It's always don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And I get tired if someone tells me, don't do this, don't do this. It's not very motivating for me to go not do those things. Um, you can only shame someone so far. It's not effective. So what I tell my patients, uh, I have my wife to thank for this. Now, she's an excellent cook and she's introduced me to a lot of foods I probably would never have tried on my own. Instead of saying, don't eat this, don't eat this, ask yourself, well, what can I, you know, what's something interesting out there that I can try? What's something that I could add to my diet instead of take away from my diet? Yes. And it changes your perspective on things a bit. For example, I would have never have gone to the store and said, oh, quinoa sounds like a, a delicious thing for me right. to try. <laughs> but you know what? It is pretty good. It's delicious. And when you prepare it right, it's something that you can add to your diet. That's a very good source of fiber, a good source of, of carbohydrates and protein. And it's not white rice would be the alternative. You know, it's something that you can explore you know, different tastes. You can excite your taste buds in other ways. But instead of saying, don't do this, don't do this, look for options that may be interesting to try. I agree. I think we do 
get into a rut when the message is always negative instead of mm -hmm. talking about all of the hundreds and hundreds of wonderful options out there we just tell people that they can't eat certain things and of course that makes you want to go eat them but i've been your patient i know how you engage with your patients you're very patient centered but I know it can be frustrating year after year after year having conversations with patients about probably very similar topics all the time. What are you finding is working? You have some success stories from your experience as far as how you have been able to help patients find their way toward, for example, strength training or uh, a healthier lifestyle? Are there techniques that have worked really well for you other than the framing, the more positive, which I think is a great technique? Are there others? Absolutely. You have to talk to each individual and find out what their limitations are, have a good starting place on, on what their capabilities are currently and what their goals are. It's more than just weight. You know, exercise is good for the entire body. You know, we know that things that prevent dementia, for instance, are exercise and interaction with other people. Uh, and a lot of my patients, they're retirees. You know, sometimes they're they're lonely. Uh, I am a huge advocate for group fitness classes. It really combines both the interaction with other humans and, and that social aspect with exercise. I think it, I've seen many patients just blossom, you know, when they start participating in things as simple as silver sneakers is, is one example. Some do yoga. Water aerobics is another one that I encourage a lot of my patients to do because they're just a little unsteady on their feet, at least when they're getting started before they're able to get the strength to be able to improve their balance. So I find that recommending water aerobics, they're in a pool, uh, it's easier on the joints, it's a combination of strength training and aerobic exercise because of the resistance of the water. I find that they make the most progress when they do that group fitness, water aerobic type activity. So group fitness classes are a huge thing that I focus on in my appointments and pointing them to specific locations, you know, knowing the places in your town that offer these classes. And you're not just saying, oh, you need to go find some place that does silver sneakers. Right? I say, no, the YMCA and in the town that you live in has that program, you need to go to the YMCA, talk to the front desk, see if you can participate in one of the classes, see if you like it and, and join. You know, a lot of the senior centers and several towns offer uh, group fitness classes as well. There's a lot of indoor heated pools you know, that I recommend, but knowing specific places to refer patients, I think that goes a long way. And listening to their concerns. A lot of times it's, oh, well, my knees hurt, you know, and, and being able to recommend either a trainer that can help work around that injury, that weak spot and strengthen that weakness so that they don't have that to fall back on and say, I can't do this because my knees hurt. You know, find someone who can strengthen that. Physical therapy is critical. I send a lot of patients to physical therapy for that reason, because it does it ultimately plays into their cardiac health. You know, if they're able to, to start exercising, that ultimately will improve their cardiovascular health, which makes my job in the cath lab easier because the, you know, we can avoid procedures and, and things down the road that we just avoid it you know, at the get-go. Yeah, I like this aspect of health that we don't tend to talk about so much, which is social support, that mm -hmm. interaction, the social interaction, the emotional support, the, the mental health. I know we're having more and more conversations around mental health, but if we talk about what it means to be healthy, it's not just the physical health. It's the emotional health. It's the mental health, which all 
you know, it all is very, very connected, as we all know. So if you are depressed, then sometimes your physical health impacts that. If you are emotionally struggling with some things, if you're lonely, then your physical health suffers. And so, you know, to be healthy, I think, is to have a, not just being able to do what you want to do, but to feel vibrant and engaged and valued and all of those things are, are a part of health, but we don't often talk about those aspects either. That's right. It doesn't take long, but it takes a few weeks to really start realizing the benefits of this. So you know, convincing people to, to give it a chance. You're not going to walk out the second day and suddenly be a, a new person, but it's a lifestyle choice that you make and you find over time, you do have more energy. You do have more happiness. You know, you are more mobile. Your mobility is a huge issue. You're able to do things that you didn't think you could do previously. So I encourage patients to, to stick with it, you know, for a month and it's hard. I don't like exercising, but I make myself do it every morning before I go to work. I know if I don't exercise, I know where that's going to lead me. It's a slippery slope. And if I stop doing it, I'm going to fall into a lull where I'm not going to do it. I won't be as healthy. So it's making that commitment, having that exercise or you know, this health retirement account, just like you invest in, in, in a 401k, you invest a little bit, you know, every week into your health and you will reap the benefits later on, you know, when you have grandkids and you want to be able to go swimming with them or take them to the beach or go hiking in the mountains. You got to make those investments all along the way. Uh, it's not always fun, but it's worth it. Yeah. And I think people underestimate how much impact even small changes can make. Because I think Absolutely. most of us, and I certainly for me, it's all or nothing, man. If I'm going to start an exercise program, I'm going to get up at 4.30 every morning, and I'm going to work out for an hour and a half at the gym, and I'm going to do everything, and I'm going to get my journals, and I'm going to get on my Fitbit. And, I, and after day three, when I can't walk because I've just done <laughs> way too much than I should have then I don't do it anymore. And so we have to think about maybe easing into things a little bit. Absolutely. Often you know, patients will say, well, I don't have access to a gym or I don't have a car to be able to drive to the, the YMCA. I don't have, they have lots of reasons to not do things. Yeah. And a lot of times I'll pull a chair out and say, well, do you have some chairs sitting around the house? And they say, well, yeah, I have some chairs. Well, sit down in one, have another one in front of you, turn on backwards and you know, grab hold of the back of that chair and just stand up and sit down in that chair. And if you do that 10 times, that makes, that's tiring. You know, that's a good starting point for them, but that's a functional activity. Standing up from a chair is something we all do every day. And we've all seen people struggle to stand up from chairs. You know, you don't want to be that person. You want to have the strength to be able to, to stand up. Heaven forbid, some people might fall to the ground and not be able to stand back up and they have to call for help. Mm -hmm. you know, those are things that, these are goals that need to be set where, you know, I never want to be in the position where if I'm on the ground, I can't stand back up. And I, I want to train my body to be able to, to do that, hopefully until the day I die. Doing simple things like sitting down in a chair and standing up and doing that with an intentional goal of, I want to strengthen my legs. I want to be able to, to practice this daily activity and improve upon it. So, you know, sit in a chair, stand up, do squats. You get really good at that. You can do squats without the chair. You can just 
squat down, stand back up, you'll get there. You know, if you can't start by doing that, you know, you start with the chair and, and progress. I have patients, I recommend uh, doing push-ups. You know, these are things that you don't, don't need to have a lot of fancy equipment. If you can't do push-ups, you can do push-ups on your knees. If you can't do push-ups on your knees, you can lean against the kitchen counter and do push-ups kind of standing up against the counter essentially but you can progress and as you get stronger and better you can then maybe do push-ups on your knees and then eventually maybe even do a real push-up but these small steps that are easy to do in your house if you do them a few times a day and just in small doses you, know, you, you will get stronger and then eventually you know tying in that group fitness aspect you know being with other people and when you do go one of the beauties of group fitness is you realize that you're not alone uh, not everyone out there is some super athlete <laughs> who's yes. able to do yeah. great things. You realize that there are a bunch of other normal human beings out there that just want to be stronger and better people. And having that camaraderie you know, goes a long way. But I can see in the beginning that can certainly be intimidating. So starting slow in the house and then building up to it is a fine way of approaching it. I love how you approach this whole thing with your patients because not all providers will take the time to explain how they can start slow or modify exercise or even have that conversation. Obviously, your patients feel comfortable enough with you to have that conversation. And that makes all the difference. I think instead of coming out of a, a medical visit just feeling bad because you haven't lost the weight, you haven't done whatever it is you're supposed to be doing. But we often are so overwhelmed and it's not just the, the elderly. We all get really overwhelmed with everything that we're dealing with and our health issues and life in general and the kids and the parents and the work and the money and whatever is going on. To have somebody just sit down and have that very simple, very touching conversation, I think is incredibly powerful. I'm not sure everybody does that, but I think pretty much everybody has a chair in their house, you know? Mm -hmm. And if that's the place we start, that's the place we start. And I really find that an incredibly, incredibly powerful example of how we can take control of our own health. And in spite of everything that's going on, there are things we can do. We don't have to join a gym. We don't even have to go to the YMCA. We can start, whether it's with a chair or walking, we can make things work within our homes, especially if you don't feel safe leaving your house. You know, there's a lot of very simplistic advice that gets thrown around that doesn't really work for everybody. So I, I love that. It's all about that functional, you know, being able to stay independent, being able to, to do the activities that are required to, to sustain yourself and your family. You know, it's being able to, to do those tasks. That's what you want to train for. I really like the whole metaphor of having a 401k for your health. I wish we could figure out a way to make that really resonate with people at a younger age, right? In their mm -hmm. 20s and 30s and 40s. But I think the one thing that I will absolutely take away from our conversation today is even today at 60, I still have to put stuff in that account and I'll be in much better shape when I'm 70 if I start today. That for me visually has really changed how I even look at my own situation. What are a couple of things that folks could do starting today 
that would help them take control of their health? Last few suggestions. That's a very good question. I, I could talk about this all day. I would say, let me back up for one second. As a physician, sometimes I have to take a step back and say, these problems that come to me, they're not my problems. They're the patient's problems. I feel terrible when I have to prescribe medications and do procedures on people. And sometimes I, we can't fix everything. But it breaks my heart when it gets to that point, that things could be avoided. But having patients take some responsibility and not relying upon me, because I feel bad if I can't fix somebody. If someone gets into so much health trouble that they are in my cath lab and I'm trying to make them better, I wish that steps had been taken earlier. So just to impress, I guess, personal responsibility is a lot of it. Having, yeah, and it takes a lot of motivation to invest in your 401k and just trying to motivate people to make those investments early on so they don't need to come see me and I don't need to throw prescriptions at them and I don't need to put stents inside people's hearts. I would love for society to be in a place where they put me out of business. So take responsibility you know, for, for your health, invest in that 401k for your health. That, that would be step number one. Stop comparing yourself to other people. That would be step number two. Realize that you can be healthy and what society would consider overweight, and you can be very unhealthy in what society would consider normal weight or underweight. So be healthy for you. And that means that you're able to do the stuff that you want to do. I don't like the excuse, I'm just getting old, therefore I can't go do whatever. I want them to be able to enjoy life as, as they get older. So take responsibility, stop looking around at others and comparing yourself to those people. And I guess, you know, diet is important. You know, try to make healthy choices, find things that stimulate your taste buds and that are satisfying, that may be unique, something new to try. And try to avoid processed foods. You know, if the factory is processing things for you, that means your body doesn't have to process them to digest them. So anything processed is going to make it more challenging to reach that, that healthy goal that we're all shooting for. Those are all absolutely fabulous suggestions. I really like how we talked about our 401k and how it will help us in regards to longevity. You know, we all want to be healthy and strong and vibrant as we get older and investing early in that 401k will certainly let us do that as will developing that strength training program, which we've already talked about. So I think all of those things are critically important. You know, this has been a great discussion. I knew that it would be. You've given me a lot to think about. I can't wait to have you back. I think that we're going to have to keep this conversation going so that we can can help really redefine the conversation around health. I did an earlier podcast on redefining the conversation around obesity. And I think we have to redefine the conversation around health as a whole, because we're getting too bogged down into the weeds. And I think we're missing the bigger picture. So thank you so much for coming to talk with me today. This is, has been truly enlightening. I've enjoyed it. I'm happy to come back and talk anytime. Anything to reduce my business uh -huh. in the cath lab. That's my goal. I don't uh -huh. want to prescribe medications. There you go. Let's all help Dr. Han not have to uh, <laughs> prescribe any more medicines. Thank That's you. Right. Appreciate You're it. Very well. Are you investing in your own 401k health plan? I hope so. Let me know what you thought about this conversation today. And what else would you like to hear about on the show? Let me know your thoughts by visiting my website at www.gretchenholmesphd.com. 
and dropping me a note. If you'd like to be a guest, that's the place to do that too. You can also sign up for podcast alerts and upcoming events. Finally, from me to you, remember to love and celebrate yourself now, today. Don't wait until you feel worthy. You already are. Loving yourself is the only way to good health. Until next time. The information on this podcast is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice. 